This is the Rich Eisen Show. That's what I'm talking about, Daddy. That's, that's what we're talking amazing. about, Daddy. We're making it happen here. I know, no, what are you doing, baby? That's not what it is. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. I tell you, Rich Eisen, you're doing a tremendous job. The Rich Eisen Show. Boom, boom, boom. Today's guests, ESPN NFL reporter Jeff Darlington, Sports Illustrated writer Jack McCallum, Grammy Award-winning recording artist Macklemore, plus co-host of Peacock's Brother from Another, Michael Smith. And now, it's Rich Eisen. All right, everybody. Welcome to this edition of The Rich Eisen Show. Uh, I am your humble host, Rich Eisen. Good to see you over there, Chris Brockman. How are you? Hey, Rich. What do you say, bud? Mike Del Tufo, my audio executive, wearing the same thing he wore yesterday. <laughs> no, Good not. to see you. It's a black shirt. It Can't white tell. Oh, no, no. I'm sorry. I guess it's the and outer. the hat's different, too. <laughs> okay, very good. Come on. <laughs> good to see you, TJ Jefferson. Rich, I'm whistling Chris Brockman for a technical right now. I was watching NBA oh. last night. That's all they're doing. So you get a T just oh, for man. wearing what a gray sweater today, bro. Put the camera on me. All I ask you is please don't pull a Donovan Mitchell because you might slap a bucket near my direction as he did yesterday <laughs> oh, towards yeah. did you did you see yesterday as he, he gets, apologized immediately but it's what, it was it was in my like it's it's it just shows you how quickly you can get from your own angry place yeah. to back to normal human interaction in just a split second and that just shows you how Donovan Mitchell's a human yeah as he gets the gate Last night and slaps at what was it like an empty Gatorade bucket? It was a bucket yeah, Gatorade like bucket, yeah. yeah. And he hit and a- it flies in the direction of the seated, masked up uh, security had his guards. Back to him. Have you not seen this video? I, no, I haven't. I he went from slapping it, fully angry, fully in 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 his own head to oh my bad, I'm sorry, everything no, okay? And then, and, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. and then he did have to exit the arena. Yeah. So does that technically not in a timely fashion? Does does the NBA just on top of whatever dig, indignity on top of indignity? Because later on, I believe in your news update, Donovan Mitchell's um, soliloquy about refereeing and officiating the NBA. He's not that will definitely earn something, I think, from the league. More, but that's later on. Hey, James Harden returned to Houston last night and did him dirty. So uh, I guess it's par for the course, right? But this one was actually on the court. <laughs> you said he did him dirty. <laughs> am I? I mean, do I, I? It's not. It's not parsing or mincing words. Uh, am I? Am I wrong? I, I mean, mean, yeah. He on, he closed him out last on night. and off the court. He did him dirty. So uh, there's some uh, some association to talk about, and uh, a legend in talking about the association will be joining us uh, on the show. I've read his material in Sports Illustrated for many, many, many years, and uh, Jack McCallum will be joining us in the middle of this hour uh, from Diversion Podcast. Comes a new season of the Dream Team tapes, and um, you know, uh, uh, season one was about the Dream Team. This one's about the Redeem Team. So we'll go down memory lane a little bit with uh, Jack McCollum and also talk about what's going on the, as uh, the association hits the All-Star break after tonight's contests. Um, and uh, so lots to talk about right there. Uh, I do have the NFL on the brain. Why not? I'm an NFL guy. We're all NFL people, I think, in the world. Hey, look, I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but it's just every single day that passes, something appears to happen that... Um, makes me feel even more right, which in a position that I'm in in a chair like this and a show like this means I have to talk about it and pat myself on the back. Is that the way it works, right? Uh, yeah. I think. 
Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I said this the day, the day we had John McClain of the Houston Chronicle on the show. Chris, look, we, we need to now peg the date because I keep mentioning it all, over and over again. I think it was middle of January, right? Stand by. I think it was like a day or two after Deshaun Watson tweeted out some things never change or whatever he tweeted out. The first tweet that came out of his Twitter account to make it seem like something wasn't up or what's that all about and so on and so forth. And that eventually, based on everything that has since happened, we, we, we've come to interpret that to mean, well, the general manager uh, from New England, here we go again with Patriot South. And then we've subsequently have found out in many other conversations and many other reports yesterday, Lewis Riddick of Monday Night Football and ESPN and NFL Live latest to, to basically say, hey, looks like you, Houston, asked Deshaun Watson for his two cents on on the hirings that you were doing in the front office and in the coaching room, and then you went ahead and did anything anyway, and you should have to reap what you sow on that front. And if you ask a guy like Deshaun for advice and then you don't take it or you go in a different direction and then you do whatever you want anyway, well, then guess what? You're going to have to clean up on that aisle, Deshaun. January 8th. Thank you. So January 8th, when John McClain was like, yeah, they're not trading him, and I thought, remember he hung up the phone, and I'm like, you know what? I I I I I'm beginning to think otherwise. That this is that I've seen too many of these holdouts, too many of these prideful athletes who say one thing and then mean it. I've seen it. I've seen it, and I I have a sixth sense about these things that I, you know, I've got a good hit rate on these things. Last year, right? Didn't I say that I would eat a hat if Zeke did not start Week One for the Dallas Cowboys? Was that two years ago? Two years ago, two seasons ago, and boy, I was really nervous (laughs) as he kept on hanging in Cabo San Lucas, and then the deal did get done, and and then I was nervous that I would be caught on a technicality that because he did miss all that time, he wouldn't start week one, but he would play most of week one. He just wouldn't be the starter, and I exhaled as he showed up for the first snap, and I said on that day, I just, uh, my spidey sense says he's played his last snap for the Houston Texans. I'm telling you. And that the Texans are just, he's passing they, that they don't play the Jets off the Dolphins off of the Panthers, just naming the three teams as we're sitting here on the first Thursday of March, right before the week before all the cuts take place, before the new league year begins, like br- rubbers meeting road and tapes are being watched all 30 Two teams are watching all 22s of college quarterbacks right now, and there's a lot happening, and teams are going to fall in love with college quarterbacks. Zach Wilson, for instance, uh, the number of times that I'm seeing on Twitter videos of what, like uh, f- from folks like uh, uh, Daniel Jeremiah and Dan Orlovsky and Bucky Brooks and everybody and all the wow throws of Zach Wilson's making me, even as a Jet fan, think, okay, so maybe uh, beating the Rams and losing out on Trevor Lawrence wasn't so bad after all, and I am saying it higher register because I don't believe it. Yeah, let's slow down on but that. But <laughs> you're seeing all of these videos, right, about Zach Wilson, and you're seeing about Trey Lance, and you're hearing about that, and maybe teams are falling head over heels in love with one of them, and maybe, you know, somebody makes a move in free agency and they don't want a quarterback anymore, and suddenly right now the Texans can play off against two teams that have a ton of capital in draft capital and also 23-year-old quarterbacks that can be flipped in their direction in the names of Darnold and Tua 
And then you've got also Carolina, owned by, uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to call him an axe cap guy, but he's definitely one of those billions type of billionaires that's got that brio and the swagger and like, you know what? David Tepper's going to, like, I got my new coach and Matt Rule. He's got a 19-year contract. And Joe Brady is the hottest assistant in all the land with Joe Burrow throwing 60 touchdown passes for LSU. And Joe Brady was a passing game coordinating there. Why don't we go ahead and get to Sean Watson? Let's blow it out. Fans are coming back in. Let's show everybody in the NFC South with Tom Brady turning 44 and Drew Brees maybe just taking Todd Durkin's sled all the way to New Orleans and... Maybe Matt Ryan is, he's long in the tooth. Let's go get to Sean Watson. Let's win some NFC South championships for quite some time. Fanny's in the seats. Let's go for it. Right now, that can happen. In a few days, few weeks, that might not happen. You, you know, you might be sitting there in Houston saying, oh, don't listen to me. Don't listen to, don't listen to that guy. He's wearing a green zip-up sweater. <laughs> Which I am today. Quarter zip, Rich. Quarter zip. Thank quarter you. zip. Quarter okay, zip. all right, very good. Thank Don't you. get it twisted. Okay. Yeah. Well, why, why listen to him? <laughs> it's lime too, Jack Easterby, if that's what you're actually saying. <laughs> I'm now having a conversation with myself and Jack Easterby as somebody talking about my sweater. At any point. I would love it if Jack Easterby is watching. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Don't you listen, know who- so fine. Don't listen to me. Don't listen to me. Why not listen to somebody like, say, Jalen Ramsey, who shares an agent with Deshaun Watson, who showed up on the podcast Huddle and Flow of my NFL media group colleagues, Jim Trotter and Steve Weich. And they asked Jalen, because this is what we're not getting, because Deshaun hasn't said anything yet. And again, that is the ultimate playing card he's got up his sleeve, back pocket, in his hand, however you want to use it as a card playing phrase. It's sitting there. And one day Deshaun can just mic up and talk straight to a camera for his Twitter or his Instagram or sit down with somebody from the NFL media world. And again, I'm raising my hand. It's a lime quarter zip. (laughs) <laughs> and I am saying, we're right here. You want to talk? I'll be there. I'll be there. But right now, we just got to go straight to somebody who knows Deshaun Watson and shares an agent with him to find out what his mindset is on, say, March 4th, 2021. Roll tape. Jalen, you know him well. They are going to test him at this point to see what his conviction is. How serious is he about wanting out? And they'll wait until he can start being fine to see if that money's going to affect him. You know him well. How serious do you think he is about wanting change and not coming in until he gets change? Extremely serious. He's extremely serious. He, uh, at the end of the day, Deshaun is a great man. Let me say that first and foremost. He's a great man. He, he's even now. A he's servant with leader. People, I'm telling you, like a servant leader. Even now, with people trying to crucify him and talk bad on his name, he's still out there doing things for the community in Houston. So he's a great man. He's he's a professional. He's going to do things that are still positive around the community and, you know, probably help his teammates out because they're still his teammates now. Probably still be helping him out, doing things here and there. But I I highly doubt he'll, he'll ever, you know, suit up in a, in a Texas uniform again. I, he's very serious. I, I would say he's very serious. This is a legacy. Yeah, I mean, the- he should be serious. All right. That was Jim Trotter questioning. Um, and Jim's been around the block, man. So is Steve. 
They've been around the block. That's an outstanding way to phrase the question. They are going to test him. Again, this whole concept of he'll come around. This whole idea of he'll come around. The door A, for those who have been watching and listening to this show over the last couple of weeks as we've been re- referring to it. That's the door A. Door B is finding out what the Jets and the Dolphins and the Carolina Panthers really do want to give up and going down that road. And I say again, door B is the only door that they're going to end up walking through by the end of the day. But the door A of, of, of having him um, come around <laughs> involves making him hold out. And uh, I love that Jim phrased it to Jalen about what's his resolve, essentially, right? What is his resolve about having money taken away from him and not showing up and being... Because when that happens, Deshaun will also be cast, even though it won't come directly out of the mouth of a Texan representative, but he will be cast as somebody who is not a team player. He will be cast as a greedy individual. Even though this is not about money, he's already made his money, and he'll be losing money by sitting out. It'll still be out there that he's not a good teammate, not a good Texan. Won't come from the mouth of the Houston Texans. You won't hear it as a direct quote. Because you'll end up hearing that I'm only can only talk about the guys that are here. That's what David Culley will say as a coach. And Nick Casario will just say, he's our quarterback. We want him. That's what he'll say. And Cal McNair, you know, who's only spoken to members of the media by calling them up. Specific members of the media calling them up on the day that J.J. Watt was released and basically saying that there's things that not everyone knows. And, he, and, and he's our guy. We want him to be our guy. That's all you're going to hear. And Easterby won't go near a microphone. (laughs) So that's all you're going to hear, but it'll be cast that way. And so will Houston have the resolve itself? Because Deshaun's going to say something at some point. Door B is the only door. I'll come on the air and have egg on my face if Deshaun Watson says, you know what, after talking about it with David Culley, after talking about it with Cal McNair, after talking about it with whatsoever, yeah, I'm 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 good. What are the odds of that happening, Chris, after all this? Zero. I think that's a good, accurate number. Zero point zero. I really think that's it. I I, I would be so stunned. If it was any other way, by the end of the day, Jalen Ramsey, you could also sit here, well, they share an agent, and of course, Jalen's going to back the play of his agent and another star client of his agent, and he's going to voice, just be another mouthpiece, if you will. But I think he is accurately portraying a prideful, young athlete, or as they said, what did they say, a servant leader, the way they referred to him as he is serving the community and also his team. Every passing day, something's happening. And I I don't care if I sound like a broken record. This is the story of the NFL offseason 2021. Last year it was Brady. Where's he going to wind up and how those pieces are going to land? This year it's this one. Because not only does Deshaun Watson affect what happens in the AFC South, Wherever he goes, it affects that team. And then if it is the Jets, it affects the draft. If it is the Dolphins, it affects the draft. 
If it is the Carolina Panthers, it affects the draft. Those are three teams drafting top 10. And also, if it's Carolina Panthers, it changes the way the Jets look at two and the Dolphins look at three. If it's the Jets, it changes the way that the Dolphins look at three and Carolina looks at eight. And whoever gets Sam Darnold, if it isn't Houston. I mean, this is, this is, this is the biggest ripple in the NFL pond that there is. This offseason. The other one is the way that Tom Brady's success is affecting the minds of all the other quarterbacks out there. So that's what I want to talk about with Jeff Darlington of ESPN when he joins us in about four minutes time right here from ESPN. And Jack McCallum will talk about some um, some ball. And then uh, I'm, Mac Lamore is joining us in hour number three. He's talking to us about, you know, his new uh, golf wear line called Bogey Boys. But he knows... Russell Wilson, well, he's a diehard fan of the Seattle Seahawks. He's also a co-owner with Russell of the Sounders FC of the MLS, which is very popular up in the Pacific Northwest. And he's a Grammy Award winning recording artist. I wonder what he thinks about the whole narrative that Russell and Sierra want to get out of Seattle and go to a place like New York or South Florida because it's better for a music career. I wonder what he thinks about all that. And then you hear in the reports that Seattle is not happy that Russ has taken things public. Hey, look, he really isn't taking things terribly public. Like, it was, not I as mean, bad as Deshaun Watson. No, no, his fingerprints could be on the 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 um, the Jason Lock and Forward tweet about the, the lack of protection, Maybe. and then his fingerprints can be on some of the quotes in this Athletic article that pl- placed everything bare. But there is a lot of Seattle Seahawks fingerprints on that as well. And of course, you know, Russell putting his own face and voice on our our friend DP show right. on this. NBC Sports on Peacock Channel. Was that about two weeks ago? It was right after the Super Bowl. And um, three weeks ago. You know, basically saying, that's a Seattle question? When asked about all that? Right? So, and he wasn't on Dan's show because, you know, he was, I guess, look, I don't know why people go on other people's shows. Uh, I know he's tight with Dan and he's been on Dan's show. He's been on, you know, Many times, and um, Russell, what Russell Wilson Jr. the third, as he's known on this show before this one, and he was on, you know, he uh, was the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award winner. But that, of course, subject matter came up. Lots going on. Let's take a break here on the Rich Eisen Show and my old NFL Network colleague, now with ESPN, Jeff Darlington, on the latest in what's going on in the NFL when we come back. Hey, folks, it's time for the NFL draft, which means for me, I need a good night's sleep because if I don't have one, I'm just not myself. You know the deal. You know exactly how important it is to have quality sleep. It's a game changer for all of us. So sleep number helps me. My sleep number setting is 60. My wife's setting is 70. We both get a great night's sleep because we could adjust the firmness of our mattress on each side. Improve your quality sleep because Sleep Number learns how you sleep thanks to their smart beds and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets. 
at the Rich Eisen Show, and every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it, and then the all-in prices. That's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all-in before you purchase. So all the guests were is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for twenty dollars off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed Mr. Del Tufo, this is not your first time in front of this committee, so please be aware that you're still under oath. Is it correct that besides your audio mixing duties on the Rich Eisen Show that you're also a DJ and you go by the name of DJ Michael D? Yes, sir, uh, that is correct. So what does the D stand for? D's nuts. Excuse me. Actually, Snoop Dogg can tell you. Hit it, guys. What it do is your boy, Big Snoop D-O-double-G. And my DJ, DJ Mikey D. D is in these nuts. Mr. Del Tufo, do you consider yourself an authority on music? Totally. Music is my life. I even have the word music tattooed on my arm. Mr. Del Tufo, our staff did some research on your tattoo. It actually translates to my bad. So right now we're going to play a clip from your show from earlier this month. If we can uh, if we can roll that, please. I've seen Springsteen like 50 plus times. He's a one-trick pony, and I've seen him a million times. Wow. <laughs> Mr. Del Tufo, to your knowledge, has Mr. Springsteen ever won a Grammy? Yes, sir, he has. Do you know how many? Three or four. Mr. Springsteen has won 20 Grammy Awards. Ooh, that's a lot. Has Mr. Springsteen ever won an Oscar? Yes, sir, for the song Philadelphia. Has he ever won a Tony Award? Uh, I don't believe he's ever won a Tony. Mr. Springsteen received a 2018 Special Tony Award for his solo show on Broadway. My bad again. So much for the one-trick pony, isn't it, Mr. Del Tufo? Let's move on. Can you tell us what the word swag means in the broadcast industry? Free clothing or items that are given to people that work for companies. And how many pieces of swag do you think you've received over the years? Thousands. So out of these thousands of pieces of swag, do you think at this point you know what sizes you wear? Yes, sir. Let's roll tape, please. It's just my ass, it won't fit. It's a little tight. <laughs> that video is the uh, XL shirt, which uh, was very snug, to say the least. That's a kid's XL, I believe. Lastly, Mr. Del Tufo, the FCC has received numerous complaints about you. The Dan Levitard show brought this to our attention, and I think we should show it right now. Who was talking to Rich Eisen that was so titillated by these magic and bad ideas? Ooh. <laughs> I heard that guy, too. Yeah. Mr. Del Tufo, do you realize that the sounds you make on your show could be interpreted as obscene or sexual in nature? Ooh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Whoa, whoa. Ooh, wait, yeah. wait a second. Wait oh, a second. Oh, baby. Ah. Yeah. Uh, enough. Stop, Ooh. please. Ah. Well, let yeah. the record show that Ooh. he's doing it right yeah. now. Oh, baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ken couldn't uh, Fantastic. Ken was the keep best. a straight face. Those everybody. were so good. Oh, That's hilarious. Those were so funny. Ooh. YouTube.com slash Rich Eisen Show for everybody out there on uh, Peacock. If you miss any part of the show as well, you can you can catch it uh, on NBC Sports on Peacock when it re-airs throughout the day or on the sports channel uh, tile. Just go and check that out. We've got some clips there 
if you miss anything on our show. 844-204-RICH is the number to dial back here on the Rich Eisen Show radio network. One big happy simulcast family. Um, so uh, turning back to uh, our guest line, uh, my buddy from back in the day uh, on NFL Network and NFL Game Day Morning now with ESPN and their family of networks, Jeff Darlington back here on the show. How are you, Jeffrey? What's up, Rich? That was wildly entertaining. Well, <laughs> I quite enjoyed that uh, I, you, whole bit. You know what? Uh, it's it's from back in our archives. It's uh, we, we've we've been at this a while. Um, how have you been? Everybody good down there in South? You're, you're, I'm doing well, man. Yeah. Every, are you based in South Florida still? I'm down in Fort Lauderdale. So okay. Yeah, I am. So uh, you know, what's with if, the... if we're going to deal with COVID, might as well do it in the warmth. Okay. So um, what's with the Tua? distaste is that is that prevalent in south florida because they saw that he struggled or um what is the general sense of dolphins fandom as you uh live down there and sense it jeff yeah i don't i i think that there's actually more patience um locally than maybe it feels like nationally um i think there's a sense down here in fact it's it's interesting to me there's a pretty pretty strong contingent um of fans that when you bring up the Sean Watson and what they'd have to give up, you know, to get him, they they get pretty defensive uh, for Tua. So I understand nationally the narrative definitely is that, you know, can he really handle it? The Dolphins should upgrade. But but I do think that I sense that um, this is a group down here that kind of saw enough potential to where they feel like he deserves at least another year to kind of grow into the hole. Yeah, I mean, my gosh, I mean, the guy, the guy had his hip re- reattached, right? I know I'm exaggerating, but then, then, sure. then, then he's drafted by the team that wanted him all along. They they move him along pretty darn fast. Um, he he, I guess what would be his high water mark? Was it that game against Kyler Murray where he was so dynamite on the road? Is that what it was? Or, yes. And no, no question. Right. No question. And, and and then you know let's give him a shot. Give him a couple more weapons and see how it goes. I I would think unless Deshaun Watson strolls along, then I I would pull the trigger on that in a heartbeat. Right. You know that's just my two cents. So. I don't even think Rich would be having the conversation if not for the Watson um, avail- potential availability. I don't think it's a conversation with, you know, the Russell Wilson stuff. Like, you don't see Dolphins fans getting up about that. The idea of a 25-year-old elite quarterback and Deshaun Watson being potentially available and seemingly having the ammunition to be able to make it happen, I think is what creates that intrigue. But otherwise, we would be saying, you know what, it was his first year. He most, By the way, I mean, towards the end of the season, all of his wide receivers were hurt. He had no running backs. Like, he really wasn't working with very much. I, 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 I do understand both sides of it. This is an organization that has been a bit snake-bitten, to say the least. You know, watching Ryan Tannehill get comeback player of the year yeah. while you're also trying to, to develop your, your young quarterback. You know, like, there's a, lot, there's a lot going on down here. There's a lot of... Uh, a lot of angst that these people have gone through when it comes to that QB spot. And so uh, what is the Watson situation, best you can tell? Uh, you know, uh, my colleagues still at the NFL Media Group, your former ones, and Weich and mm-hmm. Jim Trotter had Jalen Ramsey on their Huddle and Flow podcast, and they share an agent, and Jalen's like, I'm highly doubtful sure. he's ever going to take another snap for them again. Uh, wh- wh- where does that stand here at the end of – um, you, you know, at the end of the first week of March, on the eve of a ton of cuts to come with a, a smaller cap and then the new league year beginning. Where does that stand, mm-hmm. Jeff? You know, I was talking to an executive uh, two days ago who was saying that, that 
they truly, and this is a, an executive of a quarterback needy team that was essentially saying they truly do believe that Casario, uh, the GM in, in Houston, is not taking phone calls, that he is um, remaining with his feet in the cement. Now the uh, caveat there is that this person then says, wait until a week before the draft. So I think the expectation is that they, they sense that Houston has no reason to jump at this point, that they, they, there's a belief that Watson will eventually be available that he will wind up playing for another team, but that Houston is is merely trying to uh, wait this thing out, whether for leverage or you know public relations reasons. But the one thing I think is important to point out here, I find it fascinating. Like right now, there's there's a sense around the league that Russell Wilson will not be available. If Russell Wilson though suddenly does become available, if things really degenerate in Seattle to the point where he's on the market. To me, Houston starts to lose some leverage because right now, supply and demand is Watson gets whatever they can get whatever they want for Watson. But suddenly, if the Bears, for instance, were to say, uh, you know what, if you won't take our offer for Watson, we'll go off of the same thing for Russell. So suddenly that changes. To me, that is the only sense of urgency, if I was Nick Casario, that I would have in regards to when I should pull the trigger on a Watson trade. Right, but public relations, I mean, you know, again, this is yeah. this is unlike anything yeah. we've ever seen, Jeff. We've seen a lot of un, uh, uh, firsts I agree. from a forty-three-year-old quarterback after twenty years with one team, winning a Super Bowl in a <laughs> pandemic with a new one, and, and just his first shot. That's that's for starters. You know, uh, Goff and Wentz being traded um, with big, huge, fat contracts, mm-hmm. both of them gone. So, and 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 two guys that signed those big deals. Um, under the new construct, which is still relatively new with collective bargaining agreement, just only, you know, less than 10 years old, or it turns his, the first one that just getting renewed turns 10 this year. So we've seen a lot of firsts, right? Um, so I, I've never seen anything <laughs> like this where it's a 20, what, he's 25, right? 26, Deshaun Watson. And, yeah. and he's got a yep. huge fat contract that he just signed a year ago. He says he doesn't want to play for the team anymore, and it's not contractual, it's not money, it's prideful because of who owns the team, apparently, or who the owner has brought on uh, as a character coach to run the team. And, you know, so so you've got, you've got that. Um, and then you've got, on top of it, he's got the no-trade clause. So you've got to be partners with him That's right. in this thing. So they yep. can make this trade all they want, and then he could say, yeah, no, we're not doing that. So they've got to like run it up his flagpole, essentially, and they've got to work it's together to, to make yeah. it all work out. So the the cement and PR aspect of it that this executive told you, Jeff, uh, includes sort of uh, making Deshaun look like the malcontent at some point when he you know when an OTA hits and he sure doesn't show like up. It. You know what I mean? Like when 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 off season workout program starts, he's supposed to be there and he's not, or if he is then he, there's going to be a microphone in front of his face. This is it's not just going to stay as quiet as it's going to stay. You know, I, I I just, I've never seen anything like it. I don't quite understand it when there are two teams in the AFC East that you could play off against each other, right? And there's Tapper as well. Yep. You're saying the Bears are in this? Like, what could, what, uh, are they going to give him the lease to to Soldier Field? Like, what, what, what do they have to right. cough up? Well, so, 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 so to your point, I, I, I do not think that the PR spin changes. I don't think the, the tide shifts to where Deshaun is suddenly the one that gets blamed, especially given everything that has happened when you look at 
how many people have left the organization from Hopkins to, I mean, even guys that, you know, Texans fans say, Bill O'Brien, yeah, we, we, we did want to see him fired. Brian Gain, the GM, who was largely unproven. Amy Palsik, who is a PR person, widely popular, but probably to fans, not somebody that's all that well-known. But the, but the sum of all of that creates this dissension within the organization to where it's not, the tide is not going to change. And Deshaun Watson will remain uh, in favorable, favorable light. But to your point, um, when it comes to the, the potential suitors, you know, a team like the Bears, the way it was presented to me was, You've got a GM in Nick Casario who's trying to build the organization, right? So he's going to covet future picks more so than maybe um, uh, a GM that's on the hot seat. Whereas in Chicago, you've got Ryan Pace who, if he doesn't get a quarterback, he's done. So there's a lot of people around the league who think that compensation could not just merely be this year, but future year first-round picks, because that's something that Houston would covet and that um, a team that desperately needs a quarterback – might not. So uh, I, I think at the end of the day, we, I, I'm not, I don't know if it's Chicago, but I think that we see a situation where he is sent for a mammoth package that is all about future compensation. Jeff Darlington here on the Rich Eisen Show. You said on Get Up this week that the Russell Wilson-Pete Carroll relationship reminds you of the Brady-Belichick relationship. I'll give you the floor here. What do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? Well, and the funny thing is, it's not necessarily the relationship that, that people think they know of Belichick and Brady of the last year, where a year ago, there was a lot of talk about these guys needing to go through kind of the equivalent of marriage counseling. They need to sit down and hash it out, and there was this expectation that the meeting was going to happen. That meeting never happened. The relationship was already dead. With Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson, the, I think the comparison is more like seven, eight years ago, Belichick-Brady, when... It was never really all that great. Like, it was always this pretty cold relationship between them, but it worked. And they were able to weather some storms uh, behind the scenes, certainly not as public as what we saw last year, nor as public as what Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson are seemingly enduring right now. But seven or eight years ago, when they were going through this, they had someone in Robert Kraft helping to sort of mediate. I think that Russell and Pete are now in that phase of their relationship that seven or eight years ago relationship of Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, if they can weather this, if they can sit down and figure this out, they've got plenty of years together that they can still succeed. My question is, do they have somebody that can help mediate this, that can help both sides see some compromise? Because Paul Allen, late, the late Paul Allen, um, he was pretty hands-off even, even when he was uh, around with the team. Now it's not even, it's not even that. So I just, my big hesitation about whether Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson can get through this is whether or not they have someone to help them do it. Well, it can be, there's a lot of egos involved, and, and I just, I don't know. Well, I've got McLemore on in hour three. Should I ask him? I mean, we got... We you should it. ask him. But, I would be very curious to see what McLemore... McLemore is a surprisingly, that guy's, you know what's funny, Rich? You want to hear a funny story? I, go for I, it. I was, uh, remember the <laughs> NFC Championship game in Seattle? Yeah. The place was absolutely rocking. I'm on the sideline waiting to do our post-game interview. Macklemore's with his whole crew. They're playing Macklemore over the speakers, and he drops his keys, and he starts to like, run out onto the field, and his keys are sitting there. I have to pick up his keys and like chase down Macklemore and be like, hey, bro, you dropped your keys. <laughs> He's like, thanks, man. 
<laughs> it was the most random run-in I've ever had with someone of that stature, and uh, I feel like he was appreciative. I think I, we're seeing a photograph of him celebrating with Russell Wilson after that very game we're seeing uh, on the screen right there. But, yeah. you know, I, I, I just uh, – I, I, I drop his name just not only uh, promotionally, but uh, just to, in a way to to throw it into the next question. Like, so what would be what is on the agenda list of this marriage counseling? Like, what 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 is there? You know, we we could have always sensed what was between Brady and Belichick. Brady being like, "Hey, listen to me yeah. a little bit more," and uh, Belichick saying, yep. oh, "I don't know what his two cents would possibly be." But what what is what would be on no. the agenda no. list here? <laughs> <laughs> That's why they're in counseling. Uh, but what is the counseling right. here between Pete and and Russ? What's on the list here to go through? Not 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 that very different from what you just cited. You know, like hey man, like you got. I, I just want you to listen to me a little bit more about this offensive line and, and what we got going here, and and you know, and and trying to fix it. You know, listen to to who what you think about what I like about this offense. It's it's not that different. Um, from what Brady was going through. And Brady, like Russell, is a really good soldier, the, the ultimate soldier, to be honest. So it's, it's not like a malcontent. I, I think that a lot of times these organizations do need to realize, as Jason Light deserves a lot of credit. Like, Jason Light last year, you know, people wanted to be like, oh, Tom's running the show in Tampa. And it's like, why? Because he made some suggestions that Jason Light listened to? You know, like, is that – it is obviously – a pretty thin line. Like you don't want to all of a sudden just allow your quarterback to, to be assistant GM. But if you have a longtime veteran who is obviously successful uh, at their craft, you know, maybe it's worth paying attention to them. And I think that that would be Russell's argument. Now, Belichick, for instance, we joke, but he was basically like, no, I'll handle it. You go do your job, literally do your job. And, that weared on the relationship, but again, Robert Kraft was there at times when it probably would have been too fractured to continue to say, no, Tom is our quarterback, he's sticking around, Bill, make this work, and they ultimately did. I, uh, again, who's going to do that for Pete and Russ? I, I don't know. That's, that's my big question. Who is going to help mediate these egos through this situation to where there's some compromise on both sides. Jeff Darlington here on the Rich Eisen Show. And while we're all focused on the quarterback carousel um, free agency, uh, I'm wondering if um, the, the, the first that we mentioned just a few minutes ago, again, we've never seen quarterbacks uh, in the, the current world where quarterbacks are slotted in the draft monetarily. Correct. We've never seen um, a quarterback, let alone two, Sign a monster contract, earn it. Like that was the con- that was the idea of the new collective bargaining agreement. Instead of giving all that money sight unseen upon drafting, let's see what they can do for at least three, four years, and then now the teams are on the hook for that generationally wealthy contract. We've never seen two quarterbacks sign those big deals and then fall out of favor. One of them just kind of fall apart in Wentz, and then another in Golf mm-hmm. fall out of favor. Yeah. Is that going to affect the quarterback class that's kind of up right now for long-term deals? Mayfield, Lamar, Josh Allen, uh, those are the three as we, we, uh, we're, we're, we're talking yeah. about right now. Is that going to be a copycat sort of thing, situation here the NFL? So I think this is one of the, one of the more fascinating um, narratives that sort of exists. You know, if you're, if you're a bit of a football nerd, you know, I don't know if 
if everyday fans care as much about this, but this whole option situation with these quarterbacks, to your point, like an organization wants to make the most of a rookie, uh, a quarterback on a rookie deal. We've, I mean, talking about Russell Wilson, like when did he win the Super Bowl? He's on that rookie deal. So the question, though, is how do you balance the line between the Wentz golf situation and Dak Prescott situation? Because here we are hammering the Cowboys. Really. How, how are they not signing Dak? Well, the problem is they missed the window. Had they signed him going into that fourth year, they probably could have, you know, it might have felt rich at the time, but it would have been uh, a pretty normal contract for a guy who continued to succeed. And on the other side of it, though, we talk about extending too early with Wentz. Like, remember when Wentz signed that deal? We're like, wait, what? I didn't even know, like, I remember when he signed that, I was like, wow, I had no idea that this was even, like, close to where they would consider that. It was so early. So there has to be a balance. And it's such a tightrope that it happened with Kirk Cousins. Scott McLuhan, I remember the GM at the time, told me that with Cousins, like, we missed the window. It got to the point where he outplayed what we could offer him and what he was going to earn in free agency. We missed the window. It feels like the Cowboys have missed the window. you got to time it right. There is a tipping point, and I don't know what that is. It's, it's, you know, each team's going to deal with it, but there's a tipping point with Baker, with Lamar, with Josh, and you got to time it right. Are they going to get it this year? Are they going to get it right now? What do you think? So... I think that Baker is not quite there. Like I, it, it, that's a dangerous one. Um, I could see the Bills doing, you know, like like Josh Allen. I think will be on the earlier end, um, but I don't get the sense that there's any any significant talks, for instance, with Baker yet. And I would I, I would say that um, that's one of those dangerous ones, man. Because if he comes in and plays lights out this season, all of a sudden, did you miss the window? It's just, it's such a tough game for these GMs to have to play. Well, I mean, Lamar, I mean, hasn't he shown already? Uh, I, I, again, you know, I'm just, again, wondering if Wentz and Goff have gotten these uh, general managers a yeah. little bit sort of gun-shy on putting something big Probably. fat on the table. Probably. I mean, think about Lamar. I mean, Lamar, MVP of the league, but then, you know, on the other side, you're sitting there saying, what you know, you think about the playoff situation, and yeah, more than likely he's going to get over that and grow and develop and prove his his value. But if you're if you've seen what happened with Wentz and Goff to a little bit of a different degree, to your point, like man, it, it's gonna it's tough to pull the trigger, and and you know that these quarterbacks aren't mm. aren't sitting there saying like I'm willing to give you a discount to do it early. So uh, it's just such a tightrope to walk, and probably. Uh, the biggest challenge, I would, I would argue, the biggest challenge that a general manager has to face when they draft a good quarterback. Last one for you. Uh, I say this respectfully. Why isn't Drew Brees retired yet? Because we all thought he would, or we're all assuming. Still? It's a little weird. I was talking to somebody in New Orleans who said they're just waiting on Drew. Um, the bookkeeping is done. You know, I'm sure you know that. That the, yeah. his twenty-five million dollars salary has been reduced to the minimum. Um, the bookkeeping says he's retired, basically. So I don't know if it's just something where Drew wants to wait it out to where maybe there can be a little bit more pomp and circumstance to it, you know. I don't, but the the Saints are just waiting on Drew, and I think, um, I mean, they're acting behind the scenes as if he's retired. But you know, when we go see these videos of him pushing the sled, <laughs> looking like he's getting ready for twenty twenty one, you know, and in, in, in what we've already described as a wacky, wacky offseason. 
think we're all sitting here saying, what, what's exactly going on here? Maybe uh, maybe Drew's got the bookkeeper, right? Uh, maybe he's hopped the train in Chicago and he's got the bookkeeper, just like the Untouchables. Maybe he's found the bookkeeper and, that's, I and mean, we'll that's never see right. the, you know, we'll put the bookkeeper on the stand and we'll keep this thing going. I have no idea, you know? Oh, uh, I mean, well, I, I got to be honest, like, I, I root for chaos. So I'm all for it. <laughs> By the way, you go, you're like, <laughs> didn't Lewis Riddick say that? Like, let's keep yeah. it going. It's something let's to talk going, about. Man. That's what he said yesterday. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Thanks for the call, Jeff. Really appreciate it. You be well. We'll chat Thanks, soon. Appreciate you, got, it, you got a Thanks. same. At Jeff Donington on Twitter. I follow him. You should, too. Right here on the Rich Eisen Show. Uh, okay. A couple things to unpack. We'll hit that uh, when we come back, especially since... Uh, Baker may be looking to the heavens for a sign for his new contract. Oh, man. (laughs) That's the only thing I could see. That's coming up. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Mr. Brockman, since our last hearing, we've discovered that your living situation has changed and you are now cohabitating with your girlfriend. Is this true? Yes. Does your girlfriend own any pets? It's a mixed dog named Maverick. It's come to our attention that you've been shirking your responsibilities with this pet. I don't know what that word means you just said. Shirking? Dodging your responsibilities. I haven't signed anything. How about we just go to the video? Can you describe what's going on, please? I was going to be nice and uh, take the dog to the bar, which I think is a totally normal thing to do. It saw a squirrel across the street, thought he could catch it. Then he saw another squirrel and chased after it. How do you think your girlfriend would feel if Maverick actually got run over by a car that day? I mean, I think as long as we stayed under the deductible on the car insurance, we would have been fine. Okay, Mr. Brockman, let's move on. In old school gambling parlance, are you familiar with the term cooler? Yes. If you're at a hot table and you sit down and all of a sudden the cards don't go your way, you're the cooler. And do you believe that the concept of the cooler also can exist in sports? Sure. I think that's possible. Mr. Brockman, is it true that you attended Super Bowl 52 as a Patriots fan and Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals as a Celtics fan? Where are we going with this? Yes or no, did you attend those games? Yes. Can you please tell the committee the results of those games? The Eagles won the Super Bowl. And the Cavs won Game 7. And Mr. Brockman, is it true that the Rich Eisen Show for the past four years has conducted a March Madness bracket challenge in which the loser has to wear clown makeup? That's true. We've done that. Who lost this season? I lost. And the season before that? I lost. The season before that one? I lost. And the season before that one? 
I lost. Mr. Brockman, do you think your history of bad luck will have a detrimental effect on the Rich Eisen show as it heads to Washington, D.C.? Well, actually, I think that it's just... I plead the fifth. Right. Mr. Brockman, what I mean by bad luck is any unforeseen mistakes or accidents like last time when the show was in Washington, D.C. Hit it. This is definitely not going to end well. (laughs) Is this necessary? I'm out of here. Yikes. Medic. Medic. Everybody, well done. Medic. Medic. So good. Well done, Hoskins. Well done. So good. I plead the fifth. I plead the fifth. Oh. Yeah, we keep saying that over and over again. At least it wasn't the most powerful executive in all of AT&T media that was staring through the glass at that point in time. That guy probably was like, what is What is going on? What are these people doing in my studio? Like, what are we doing? Content. That hurt oh. so bad. Oh, his back. That was, it was gross. It was really bad. Oh, yeah. It hurt really bad. 844-204-RICH, number down here on the Rich Eisen Show. Uh, real quick, Jeff Darlington of ESPN just came on, and we were talking about how uh, the golf and Wentz situations might make general managers gun-shy on in year four of their uh, of their playing careers to bestow a long-term contract on, on, um, on a player like Josh Allen or Baker Mayfield or Lamar Jackson. I mean, Lamar Jackson's MVP of the league two years ago. Come on, right? Just did win a playoff game for the first time in his career, right? Yeah, sure did. And, you know, and because I do remember we had uh, our our friend Joe Banner on, and he was lionizing, and rightfully so. We agreed, certainly when Dak had still not gotten his long-term deal. Look, uh, the Eagles went early. They got the cap numbers and they it'll be a smart deal down the road and you pay the kid now and you know he he got his big huge contract and 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 we can sit here and cast it as a total mistake based on the fact that he's now an indianapolis colt and also say hey josh allen look what he just did why in the world wouldn't they give him it just him let's just use him as an example Forget the fact that all three of these young quarterbacks played in the playoffs this year, and forget the fact that all three of them won a playoff game this year. All three of them, okay? Won their first career playoff games, all three of them, this year. All three of them playing on divisional playoff weekend because they won on the first weekend, not because they got a bye, right? So why wouldn't they just say, go ahead and do it? Let's not forget Carson Wentz in... That year of 2017, before he blew his knee out, he started 13 games. He was the MVP of the NFL. MVP, without question. In year two, just like Lamar Jackson, was the MVP of the NFL. He had, in his 13 starts, I just looked it up in the commercial break because I knew I wanted to talk about this, he had 33 touchdowns and seven interceptions. (laughs) Is that good? He's dynamite. (laughs) And the Eagles were the one seed in those playoffs because of the way he played. He set him up for the one seed. Nick Foles, you know, he, he kind of came in for the hold and save for the Carson Wentz start. Kept the one seed alive and then, you know, took that one seed and ran with it all the way to the podium. He's the MVP of the Super Bowl. And Wentz could have easily said, and we could sit here and say that Wentz is sensitive and blah, blah, blah. He watched the team win the Super Bowl without him. Nick Foles is forever the MVP of that Super Bowl, and Wentz could have been himself if he was healthy. Absolutely. 
And how do we look at it differently? I can't sit here and say he would still be the quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles since the coach of that team got the gate. Insane still. But it's just, you you know, uh, because my first inclination is absolutely bestow it on him. For sure, bestow it on Lamar. And Josh Allen's right behind it. And then Baker, I guess you'd have to see it again. That would be my two cents. I mean, right now, Don Bouillard, Major Domo has put that shot of Josh Allen's push pass against the Colts. I mean, he did it all this year, man. He did it all in different angles and different everything. He was amazing. Why wouldn't you give him the contract? Maybe you're sitting there and like, look at Wentz. Goff took a team to the Super Bowl. He was the guy who was connected to Sean McVay in a sixth sense. They were going to be winning forever. Now they're no longer together. And Baker's now got that connection with Stefanski, right? If you're the Browns, do you throw a, a long-term deal on the table for him right now? Or do you oh, see no. make him do it again with Stefanski this year, right? Make him do Even it though again. you know, even if he doesn't play like he did last year, you're still got to – he's still your your guy, right, going forward? But pay you don't give – man his money. I don't, know if you, I don't know if you give him that $35 million a year contract, even though that's probably what he would get on the open market. I don't know. I don't know. Chris, I know Whoa, you always look at me like that, question. but when you're next, when it's your turn, when oh, it's your turn bro. and you're there, it's your turn and you're there. $35 million for Baker Mayfield? I don't know, man. I mean. That's what a, a that's number one him. overall pick who's taken the Browns to the playoffs and won a playoff, first playoff game, right? That's Since Vinny Testaverde. Whoa. And he, you know, let's just say he has a little bit of a step back year. I don't think they will, though. I mean, that's real food for thought. That's coming. I mean, you're right. It's coming. Let's see. What did Baker do? And this is the year? stuff. I mean, you know, the Jets don't have to be concerned about that with Sam Darnold. I mean, they're not going to pay him long term. And Josh Rosen being the other guy who's now, you know, in, in, in the proverbial catbird seat. What, what if the, the, the Niners just decide to say, let's see what we got in Rosen? And he's the guy that gets the the next opportunity there in san francisco that would just be an amazing turnout i, for I him. like jimmy g could he be any could rosen be any worse than jimmy g the last two years you'd take you take josh rosen in new england right now i know i that. think so i think you've I been would. a josh rosen I've guy been, I've ever been. since i mean i wanted matt stafford but i would take josh rosen. yeah but matt stafford wasn't walking through that door. no he wasn't Eight four four two zero four. rich is the number to dial we'll turn to the association jack mccallum who's been covering this uh, league forever and a day We'll talk about the Redeem Team as he's got a new his uh, season two of the Dream Team Tapes podcast. Uh, that's coming up as well here on the Rich Eisen Show. 844-204-RICH. One hour in the books. Still here for our friends at Peacock. Man, I can't stop thinking about $35 million. That's the market. Set the market. That's what it is. I know you Lordy. always get upset with me when I say, if it's your turn, you're up. Baker Mayfield. But at what point do you have to earn it? But you, you have. He has earned. He's earned thirty-five million. Some of it. I, I don't. I don't know. That's the whole thing. That here is that there is no market for top drafted quarterback, top of the food chain drafted quarterback, who doesn't win the Super Bowl in the first contract, but does perform well enough to say he is. Worthy of sticking around for the next five years to see if that can happen. But we don't pay him the top of the market Patrick Mahomes value. Like, where does that 
B class. Middle, where does it's not a we, we can't plus? call it a B plus. We can't call it a B. I guess you can call it a B class, but that is like a B plus. No, a a a middle ground. A middle ground, because B sounds like yeah, you're not A, but A is like A's the Super Bowl guy. I understand that, guy. but 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 Mike, you, yeah, we could count on the number of one hand. You you hear we want to win Super Bowls in first. First uh, iteration of contract. Yeah, we want the first rookie contract. Who who's done that? Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, because technically he was on his rookie contract when he won. Right. Who else? Well, Brady's won out the uh, half of them, so we can't. And, Wait, I mean, in the last ten years, yeah. that's and that's not a joke. Brady's won four, four. in the last ten that's years, <laughs> and four in the last six. So yeah. Ben was a rookie. Ben, yeah, yeah, but. But the this scale wasn't, was no. Different. I'm talking about now. Yeah, when now there's a rookie contract. Ben Ben was in the, the time of the rookie contract where you walked off the campus the and you got you're the highest paid player right. in the history of your franchise, right. which is why they changed it to we need that player to become the highest paid player in the history of the franchise to be paid after showing us he earns it. Now they're still being paid as if they're the highest that they've earned it, even though your point, Chris, is they have it. And now you've got Dak being franchised and not being signed. Like, what happens, right? So... Aaron Rodgers? No, but he hasn't... I'm talking about... In 2011, he wasn't... Correct. I think we stumbled on something here.